We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This call is being recorded. Hi, hello, it is Josh Bowe, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with another victorious, uh, yet probably maddening edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. The Mavericks hold on against the Brooklyn Nets, 96-94 in Dallas, in one of the most wild-ass games I've seen this season. That looked like the Mavericks were finally finally going to pull away and have a comfortable fourth quarter victory for the first time all season. And uh, that just didn't happen. The Mavericks decided that on this 845 tip, they were going to make us watch all the way to the final buzzer and make us pay attention all the way to the final buzzer. And it was a pretty maddening final uh, five minutes or so. As you can tell, since I'm starting the podcast, I'm hosting. Uh, we are giving Kirk the night off from this podcast because since again it, it was an 845 local start that's kind of late for us he wanted to hop in into the into the spotify green room and be able to start it right away because you know kirk basically lets everyone talk uh, which is one of the best parts about it but that also means he sometimes hosts that thing for like three hours i don't think he wanted to stay up till three end tonight so i'm joined by matthew phillips uh you know one of our senior staffers matthew how are you doing I am wonderful. I am just happy that we get a win because at the end of the year, when you're worried about seeding, they don't they don't give you any style points. Exactly, and the Mavericks are six and three, and they probably are not close to the league leaders in style points because of their nine games, eight of them have been clutch, and I feel like a majority of the eight have been them with a fourth quarter lead that turned into a clutch game. So it's been pretty nerve-wracking i mean they had that thunder game which was literally one of the most historic collapses ever they have this game which we're going to get into i mean the pelicans game was pretty crazy as well um so let's just get into it we probably have to start toward the end um i mean kevin durant (laughs) 
He had made 62 consecutive free throws that he needed to make two more after the Mavericks fouled him while he was shooting a three with uh, the Mavericks up three with six seconds or five seconds left. He misses his first free throw of the season. And then, of course, misses the second one on purpose to see if they can get an offensive rebound. The Nets do get the offensive rebound. And Royce O'Neal kind of has a massive brain fart and just jumps into three Mavericks with no idea what to do and throws the ball away. And, and the Mavericks win. And again, it feels like this game, all these games are fe- like following the same formula where Luka does everything. Um, the Mavericks kind of have a lead. Then the fourth quarter comes around and things just don't look too good. Uh, and then the Mavericks find a way to play uh, to pull it out. What were, what were you thinking in the final in the final moments of this one? Because we really uh, could talk about anything this game. Yeah. So with the end of it, it actually reminded me a little bit of the 2006 finals. Obviously, much much lower stakes. But Dirk had made a bajillion free throws in a row, and then uh, everybody or I don't know, some people forget that uh, that after Wade shot free throws, Dirk got to shoot free throws, and he finally missed one. Um, and I forget which game it was. I think it was game it was either three or four. And so he finally missed one. And that's kind of how it felt like for Durant because he's like, it was just automatic in my head. He was already going to head it. He was going to make them. And I think a little bit that applies to the play after that. I know they knew obviously that he was going to miss the third shot on purpose, but it's a lot of times that teams just don't, that they're just, that play is never as good as you think it is. I mean, we had the Josh Smith thing in the finals where he dribbled out after LeBron missed a free throw. Like it was just, it, it's weird for teams there. You can't really hold too much on people there. So for the Mavs, I mean, I just want to focus on the positive parts, which I mean, the first Mav positive is obviously going to be Josh Green. I mean, that was, this is the Josh Green game. His true shooting percentage was uh, over a hundred again, which uh, <laughs> like that's, always you had a good game when you have true shooting percentage over 100 and you scored in double digits yeah i mean uh i think he was i think his career high was 18 so he didn't get there but he had 16 points five rebounds two assists two turnovers perfect five of five from the floor two of two from three four of four from free throw line um and he pissed him is, in Durant off. he did he pissed him real off he got into his head um he played with boundless energy great defense um and yeah, he Durant uh, was was going through a screen. Josh Green set a screen on Durant, and Durant kind of uh, rolled through him, and and there it got Sharpie, and they were kind of talking back and forth, and it's like holy crap, like Josh Green is bowing up to uh, to Kevin Durant. That kind of shows the, the confidence he's playing with right now, and yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a crazy game. Yeah, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. No, no, no. So yeah, he um the deal with Green. I mean, obviously the shooting has been. He's still not taking enough, but he's taking more than he has been. And the revelation, like it's been a revelation this year. He's been good. The offensive improvement's been good. Uh, that is obviously what is going to make or break his NBA career is how consistently he makes shots. Just because no matter how good you are defensively, like Michael Kidd Gilchrist was an amazing defender, and the Mavs picked him up out of nowhere because nobody wanted a, a wing who shoots twenty percent from three and won't take them. Um, the deal, the deal with him though, I, what I feel is also important and it's kind of gone under the radar is how much he's developed defensively so far this year, because while he was very, his rookie year, especially, he was just basically doing cardio. Like he was very busy. It's very, it's very eye test appealing for, you know, you feel like he's doing a lot cause he's running around and doing all that, but his defense wasn't very good. His rookie year. And it was more average last year. And I think he's like from my eye test, I have not done enough analytical stuff to to look at the numbers and everything, and I would severely question their value after this many games defensively anyway. 
But from my eye test, he looks much better defensively. And that is a really big thing for him too, is that I do believe he's become a legitimately a plus defender and that matters. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, he's cleaned up a lot of the rookie mistakes that he made. He's much more sound. He's playing kind of within the team concept, I think, a bit better. Uh, I think he's better um, at the point of attack because I think in the first two years he he got beat off the first step dribble a lot with maybe because he was maybe closing out a little too assertively because, I mean, again, he's, he, he's His a aggression he, is more- yeah, his aggression is more properly channeled now, is what yes. I would say as far as that, and that that applies defensively a lot. In that, when he's out there, it's front. He knows where to be. He knows what he can do, and he's more used to NBA players. Like that's another thing is that we go. He hasn't played a ton of basketball, and no. especially not coming in. So he's he's adjusting. And there's the biggest leap in basketball there is is going from college to the NBA. I mean, it, uh, unless you go from a lower level than college to the NBA, obviously, but that leap is just gigantic. And you go from, you know, people that he could probably play like that on and not get beat to NBA guys, which every NBA ball handler was just going to beat him when he was attacking like that. And so now he's adjusted and he he really has been a legitimate plus. And that's probably going to be important because, I mean, I don't like to prognosticate about injuries that I have no that I have no training to do so. But I would imagine that Tim is going to be out for a little bit with a hip injury with the wet floor thing. Yeah, that was that was tough to watch. He basically did the splits, uh, making a cut into the paint. Um, he was down. I mean, he he was in a lot of pain. He had to kind of gingerly walk off the court. So I have to imagine he's missing uh, a handful of games, like hip strain. I don't like like I'm with you. I don't know a lot about uh, injuries to diagnose it, but I know hip injuries are nothing to sneeze at, and you have to treat those carefully because uh, those can those can linger and drag and, and, and if your hips, but like, you can't really do anything. If you're, if your your hips aren't good, you can't, you know, you could play yeah. through, you could play through like a rolled ankle, but like, if you, if you've messed up your hip, you, you need to get, you need to get it right before you back, get back on the floor. So, uh, unfortunately I wonder if this is going to mirror what happened last season where the Mavs kind of started to take off after Tim got injured. I mean, if Josh Green is playing like this and he gets to soak up some of those Tim Hardaway minutes coming off the bench, I mean, you know, it could, you know, it's a it's a shame for for Tim Hardaway and his, he's trying to bounce back from last season and injuries suck, but the Mavericks might actually come out of this playing a little bit better. Yeah, and going on that, um, again, I don't want to, I certainly don't want to wish ill for Tim, and Tim was actually playing of well. Of course. In his better games of the season. This, yeah, this uh, was, he was in the process of his best game, I think. But, uh, yeah, because he was 4 of 8 from the field and 2 of 4 from 3. He was an efficient 11 points, and the Mavs were plus 6 when he was on the court. But I'm actually curious, um, Green Green played 27 minutes tonight. It will give him more minutes going forward. But one of, one of the bigger things, what I'm curious to see is, I'm hoping that it helps Wood get back to where he was at a little bit at the beginning of the season just by looking for his own shot more. I think we we all got so excited by his passing, and it was kind of like a shiny new toy because it was something we hadn't really seen him do before. And he kind of he's he lost a little bit of aggression. Like he hasn't been, if you remember like the Suns game, he passed well and everything, but he also he shot, I think, 12 free throws in the Suns game and he came out just getting to the line at will because people couldn't guard him. And now he's just, he he's looking to pass. I feel like he's looking to pass a little too much. And I feel like with Tim gone, they're really going to need him to score a lot on those second units. So hopefully those extra shots will help get him going. Yeah. And then hopefully they just involve, like, 
you know, I'm not saying involve him. Like he's still getting, it's not like he's not getting shots, but run some more pick and roll with him. Like I feel like the, the bench unit really isn't uh, giving him the ball, you know, on the move a lot. You know, he seems like he's getting a lot of isolations and, and mid post ups, which is fine. Like he, he can do that obviously, but I would love to see a little bit more pick and roll out of him. I feel like that's, again, I don't know what it is about Mavericks and talented offensive big men, but they can't, uh, they can't seem to run enough pick and rolls with him, but I would like to see that more uh, in Tim's absence for sure. I would actually like to see them do that. And I would actually like to see them run some inverted pick and roll, like with him and Spencer inverted. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Lucas uh, screening for him. Um, Because he has, he has the ball handling and passing chops to do it. And I mean, I don't, I don't know that I've ever really seen him do it consistently, but it's just given his skill set and given the size and the skill set of both of the mass point guards, I feel like they should be big enough to set screen. I'm always excited whenever I see Luca or Dinwiddie screen, just because it generally good things happen for from it, and so I would like to see them add that to the repertoire. Um, we got to go a little negative here. Uh, this was the first bad, like really bad Spencer Dinwiddie game of the season. Uh, he had two points on one of eight shooting. He uh, he just wasn't good. Um, yeah. Like, this was the type of game where, and I don't mean this on a commentary of the quality of the deal, but when when refs are letting them play, when they're not letting the, the offensive player do the whole, like, I'm going to go full Derrick Henry and get to the rim and run through people, but also call a foul on the defensive players, that that's rough for Spencer. When you can't get foul calls by initiating your own contract or your own contact, that's always going to be rough for him. And this was that kind of night. Like it felt like several times there were times where he just made up his mind. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to the rim and get to the free throw line, and he just couldn't get to the free throw line, and that's always gonna be a bit of a struggle for him. Yeah, and that's that's his game. Um, he's career uh, 38 and a half free throw rate this season so far with the Mavericks through eight games. So not including tonight's game, but I can't imagine you know this game's gonna help. He shot. Uh, he didn't shoot any free throws, so it's only yeah. gonna go down. But he entered this game with a. 12.7 free throw rate um just for context in the 28 uh in the 23 regular season games he played with the Mavericks last year he had a uh 45% free throw rate and that was huge for him he got he was a straight line drive uh kind of guy and he was the only guy on the Maver- you know cuz Luca Luca's Luca but you know Luca does everything going to the basket but like one of the things that kind of differentiated him from Jalen Brunson is Brunson is kind of a a bit more methodical running the pick and roll. And he kind of likes his little mid range shots and floaters because he was really good at them. And Spencer was more of a kind of line drive North South kind of, kind of point guard. And the Mavericks didn't really have anyone on the roster like that outside of when Luca would do it. But you know, Luca, (laughs) Luca can't do everything, but I mean, maybe we're seeing that this season. So it's been kind of tough for Spencer this season. He's not getting the whistle feel like he could be maybe a little bit more assertive in getting to the basket or at least maybe uh, being more of an assertive scorer. I feel like he like that lineup they ran where it was like Spencer, Tim, Josh Green, I want to say then Maxi and, and and Dwight Powell. That lineup had some really good moments when Green was was making plays and making an impact, but whenever they weren't on the break or they were in the half court, I felt like Spencer deferred a little bit too much to Tim in those lineups and Tim I, I know he played a a good game before he got hurt, but he was still putting up the putting up the ball a lot. I mean, he had eight shots in 14 minutes, so um, I would have liked. You know, they kind of stalled out a little bit at times with the with that yeah, lineup, but I would like Spencer to kind of be like, "All right, we need some score." Like, 
I know I'm here to run some offense, but like we need some buckets. Uh, let's go. And I feel like they're going to need a little bit more of that going forward. Yeah, when when they do that, when they do the lineup without Wood, especially like Spence has got to be like, hey, this is if we like run, yes, but if they stop, then it's it's got to be him him yep. looking to get to the rim and attacking. And um, I mean, and I think he's actually done a good job of that. Like we, the Mavs' best stretches recently, and I'm not looking at this statistically and anything. This is just from my eye test. Has been other than against Toronto the early fourth quarters like that's when they built the big lead that they blew against Oklahoma City that's when they that's when they played well tonight to build the lead when they did stuff it's it's been that energy lineup early in the fourth quarter they've turned teams over they've got out in the break green's been a big part of it but then when he's also a part of that like he's more he's a little more willing to run than Luca or not a little more he's a lot more willing to run than Luca and <laughs> you know they've gotten out and run they've done a good job I also want to include in that lineup, I have been uh, very tough on Maxie's defense. I have not been impressed with Maxie's defense so far this season. I've been very impressed with it in the past. Like, I've been very high on it, but I thought that he struggled so far defensively this year. I thought he had a very, very good defensive game tonight. I thought he had like one kind of bad defensive possession early, but after that, I thought he was last season Maxie basically. Like he was everywhere. The stat, which is funny, the stats don't show that because he only had, he didn't have a steal and he only had one block but I thought this was a clinic in defensive positioning and helping without fouling and just being able to be everywhere. So that was a big, that was a big thing for me. Cause that's something I've been a little concerned about is just cause he is so important to this team as far as all of the things that he can do. And I kind of feel like it's like a, a guy in a subway or in a, in a, uh, in a submarine with a hole in it, just poking his fingers through there. And I feel like kind of with putting Tim back in the rotation and woods in the rotation and then still having Luca and everything, he's just a guy that's running out of fingers to poke in the holes. And so I, I do feel like he did a good job tonight. Yeah, for sure. I was actually kind of shocked that he only had one block when I checked the box score before we started recording. Cause he protected the rim very well tonight. He was, he was very stout at, at guarding the rim and, forcing misses that I honestly thought he had like three or four, like at least two or three blocks. So uh, yeah, I definitely agree there. Um, And then Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And then the other thing we got to go back negative is uh, (laughs) Reggie Bullock, man, December or January cannot get here fast enough. Hey, you wrote Uh, that post too, didn't you? About yes, yes, I wrote it last year. It's it's the highlight of my career at Mads Moneyball because Jason (laughs) did mention it, which is a pretty big deal for me, but Man, it's uh, everybody that is listening to this that is a Mavs fan. Don't give up on Reggie Bullock. He he will figure it out. He does this every year. He struggles early. Everyone says how terrible he is. He's not that terrible. He is still going to be an extremely important part of this team going forward. The defense has still been fine. It hasn't been quite as airtight as it was during the playoffs last year. But the defense has been fine for the most part. And then it will get better as the shooting gets better as well. Just Just wait. Trust me, the calendar will turn. If you don't believe me, get his <laughs> basketball reference page and and change the line I used in the article last year is that his shooting percentage is below Russell Westbrook's in the first two months of the season and about the same as Ray Allen's after that. So it's it's coming. Don't give up on it, but man, is it rough to watch until it gets there. Yeah, it, it doesn't look good. And I, I've seen a lot of calls, you know, they want Josh Green to start. You know, they don't sit Reggie until – um, you know, until January. I mean, there's a couple of reasons why that doesn't work. First, you know, this is an NBA 2K. Like, you have to, like, Reggie is an important part of the team. Like, you have to manage 
you're not just managing like players and set. Yeah, exactly. Matching personalities and you want to keep your locker room tight. And Reggie is absolutely a big part of this locker room. Another thing is, is he's, I mean, Green is getting there and he's improving, but Bullock is basically their primary like guard defender because uh, Dorian is is guarding the bigger scoring forwards and Bullock is usually the the guy matched up against, you know, the most aggressive ball handler on the team because, you know, you don't want Luka doing that. You don't really want Dinwiddie doing that. So they asked Bullock to, to guard a lot of point guards uh, and to guard a lot of uh, dribble penetrators because otherwise the starting lineup uh, doesn't really have someone like that. You know, Green could could do that and he's been guarding well, but again, you know, that's a, you know, I kind of just like what they're doing with green. It seems to be working. Let's just keep, keep doing that. And yeah, like we'll just have to wait for Bullock shot to come around. Another thing I wanted to say, I'm going to write about this after the, after the game, but I think we needed to mention it before we go about Josh green. The one thing we didn't talk about is boy, the Mavericks figured out uh, Josh green screening for Luca in this game. Uh, they went to that play often um, and it felt like it resulted in points uh, just about if it, it either resulted in points or an open shot just about every single time they ran that play. And what was really nice about it is one that green is setting such good screens for a player, his age, like that's clearly he's put in the work and that's nice from a young player that struggled in his first two years. Like, Hey, I'm going to learn how to set screens better. Cause like, I'll be able to get on the floor if I'm, do, you know, like that's, that's really awesome for a player that was struggling his first two years in the league to like, improve in in kind of a non-flashy way because that's going to get you minutes and it was it's really good because he's he's shooting from three i mean he made one three off a pick and pop like top of the key that i was like holy crap i can't believe he shot that because he would not have shot that a couple years ago and he made good reads uh, as a roller and he had a couple of nice passes uh where he kind of rolled into space luca found him and he was kind of doing the you know draymond green light making some passes and reads on a four on three defense so uh, you know, we've been talking about Green's intuition as a passer since he's been drafted here and how that's kind of like a surprisingly great skill for him considering most raw 3 and D wings coming into the league don't don't even pass the balls nearly as well as Green can at times. So if they can take advantage of that, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, what do you think? I thought that looked, yeah. I thought that was like crucial for them tonight. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely. So there's a couple of things about that. One, he's a very thick guy. Like he's a big dude like he's not big as in height like he's you know six five whatever something like that but he is like if you think of the guy that i've always compared him to physically is andre iguodala and he's a lot like that and that he's just a bigger guy like he's not one of the littler guards that so when he sets a screen he can set an effective screen that is actually a screen as opposed to a means for himself to for you know himself to slip or do something like that and then too like you like you said we you mentioned that he he makes plays and he's comfortable doing that. And he has a lot of flair. Like, that's the thing is, aside from Luca, really nobody else on, and, and would to would have some too. But aside from them, like Spencer, when he passes and everything, a lot of it's more, I don't know if mechanical is the right word, but that's what I'm going to go with for right now. It's more, <laughs> it's more like an if then statement where like, you know, it's like, if I do this and the defense does that, then I do that. It's kind of like, so it's like an if then computer statement. And so all he does is just, you know, he has like the, the rote reads, whereas Josh Green occasionally does some just crazy off the wall stuff, which is partially because he's athletic and he, he can, you know, that athleticism unlocks 
potential to do things that less athletic people don't have because part of it is like he can float he can move really quickly laterally all of that good stuff and then he just he sees stuff he like that's the passing gene is just it's something that you either have or you don't you can get better at it but i mean like the some of the wild stuff that he has is is just you either feel comfortable doing that stuff or you don't and then finally the last thing is like when i was growing up and playing basketball when you know when you're younger one of the first things we were taught as kids is you know if you if you want to find a way to score if you haven't been scoring go set a screen which the guy that the, that is the best example of that in the league is Steph Curry. Steph Curry sets more screens than just a, just about any guard in basketball and has for a long time. And obviously that's – I'm not at all comparing Josh Green to Steph Curry as basketball players as I don't think you could name two players with less in common. But it the it's a truism that remains that when you set screens, it opens up things. It's, it's, it's like an unselfish thing to do to set screens because you do it to help somebody else, but it also ends up helping yourself because it puts you in better positions. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's just, again, for a young player like that, you know, he, it's good that he understands what's, what's it's going to take, what it's going to take for him to get onto the floor. Uh, and I know, I mean, he wasn't drafted with any preconceived notions of being like a star type player or a guy that's going to handle the ball a lot. So, I mean, I'm sure he knew that when he was getting in the drafting process that he was going to have to do the dirty work to get on the floor, but still, you know, not even, even then, with those circumstances, guys in this league don't always uh, embrace that. So he's he's embracing the dirty work. He kind of is starting to remind me of like six five version of Dwight Powell in terms of like um, his energy, chaos, and just kind of like that understanding of this is my role. It's not a glamorous role. It's not a fun role, but it's going to get me on the court. It will eventually get me paid if you keep it up. You know, he will. He could make good money in this league if he just keeps going down this path so uh that's great to see i'm glad that the mavericks let him ride for 27 minutes um he's gonna definitely be playing a lot more regardless of how much bullock is playing because of the hardaway injury so that'll be good um i mean otherwise the only other thing left that's probably a downer to talk about uh i mean not downer but just like these box scores matt are just freaking hilarious um I don't you get know. two points from three starters combined. Yeah. I mean, I know uh, McGee, McGee is a starter in name only because he only played three minutes. But yeah, that's that's what I'm looking at. It's, it's a little rough there. <laughs> yeah, I just we were talking about it in Slack, and we were kind of like, like this is working. Like the Mavericks are six and three, but they keep winning these close. Like every single game is close except for the Memphis game, and there are a lot of circumstances for why that game wasn't close. Uh, otherwise, all these games are close. Like Luca is putting is starting the season like almost no one else scoring wise in NBA history. You know, outside of Wilt, literally no one else has started a season scoring like this, like Luca has. And they're just not getting any separation from these teams. And it's like Luca is scoring between you know thirty three and forty points every single night this season so far. And the Mavericks still have to claw their way over the finish line. Luca still has to play almost 40 minutes like these guys are still playing big minutes and like i'm just wondering like is this sustainable like because eventually luca is gonna play a game where he like and i don't want the same one think i'm like lucas lander like he's gonna play like a good game but only score like 27 points like it's gonna happen i mean i think i don't know is maybe luca is I, know, is I, don't know. I don't know it's crazy i mean maybe not i mean I don't so- know. 
one, the craziest thing about this is that Luca had thirty had an extremely ex- efficient thirty six point eleven twenty two from the field and five of nine from three. And this is really the first we've mentioned him in this podcast. I know. Like, if that's not taking greatness Old for hat. granted, like we're, we, I mean, like, and there's an extent to you know the numbers come from the usage. I get that, but part of the reason that he can handle that he gets the usage he has, like, and the reason other people don't it's really, really hard to handle that kind of usage and stay efficient. Like there is an inverse relationship between volume and efficiency. And that's, that's the thing that's been crazy for him is in the last three games coming into this game, he was shooting like 64 and a half percent and averaging 37 a game. Like that's unheard of. And I mean, on the one hand, I don't know that anyone could truly handle this usage over the course of an entire season. Like there's just limits about that. On the other hand, uh, our old friend is who writes for D magazine now. And in my opinion is the, like, just if you're going to read math stuff uh, and you're not going to read math, but I would definitely say go <laughs> read his talk. He's so smart, but his uh, statistical model that he predicted for Luca's peak was basically what Luca is doing right now. <laughs> and I mean, it's it's crazy to think he can keep it up for the year, but by the same token, everything Luca's done has basically been crazy relative to what other people have done. And he came into camp in shape this year, like he's in shape, um, and it's it's amazing how good he is. And and I just I really I don't know. I do think it's weird that I basically that the joke I've made for a long time now is that he's kind of like a two K player with a limited amount of slider points. And that he can only be good at threes or free throws at, the, at one at a time. Like he can't be good at both of them, which he was, he was fine on free throws today. He was nine of 12, which is 75%. But he, he started to slide the, the three pointers back up and the free throws back down. As, and it's just, it really is just a pleasure that we get to watch that, man. I mean, like it, at, at times, you just got to stop being a, a, you know, worrying about writing about the team and doing all that. It's just, Man, this guy is a truly special talent. You know, 20, 30 years from now when you're talking to people, this is going to be one of the people that you remember that, hey, we got to watch him. And, I mean, for us as basketball, we get to watch every game he plays. And that's a treat. And so, like, that's just, for me, that's the takeaway from that. And I don't want to cut that part off, but I I can't believe I haven't mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith because he had a fantastic game as well. Oh, yeah, he was huge. I mean, if he doesn't, I mean – Get 18, which for Dorian, like that. I mean, that's basically an automatic Mavs win, right? I don't know what the stat yeah. is, but when he scores like 15 or more or something like that, they're almost like undefeated. And if he scores 10 or more, they're they're really, really good. Uh, they yeah. have a really, really good record. But yeah, um, I think the thing that was nice for me the last two games is I've seen him make some okay plays that weren't just like spot up threes. Now he's four of 10 over the last two games from three. So that's obviously good. Um, but he's been doing a couple, little bit more and more. Like, I think you see it every, every season. He kind of, I think he gets a little bit more comfortable attacking closeouts, uh, getting closer to the basket. I mean, he got to the free throw line six times tonight. I know two of them were intentional, you know, intentional foul, but even then like four free throws is, is a lot for him. He doesn't get to the free throw line almost ever. Uh, cause he's, you know, usually just shooting spot up threes, but and especially um, in this game where, yeah. Like free throws were hard to come by for both teams, and I do not mean that as a ref complaint because the Mavs got away with a lot of fouls on the other end too. But yeah. just there was this was a very physical game that not a lot of free throws were shot in. For and sure, he just he was really good. Yeah, he's doing what he needs to do. I mean, he start he's another guy like he shoots terribly, 
uh, in October really? and then November, he's much better. And then December, he's, you know, once he gets to November and it's November, he's usually, I think he's career I, 35% November and he's like 28 in October. So he'll be I fun. think he also really likes the KD matchup. Like, I, th- oh, I think yeah. he likes competing with KD. Like, obviously, I mean, there's not anybody in the league that can stop KD. I am not quite a pure Durant hater, but I'm not a huge Durant fan. But that's, that man is just amazing at basketball. And on the on the net side, the the last thing I've really got from this game is it's been it's it's not even really news, but there's been some some small Ben Simmons talk, and I know a lot of the Mavs Twitter <laughs> fans and everything are should we take Ben Simmons? Absolutely not, um, unless they are willing to give up like all of the first round picks forever. Ben Simmons is the worst contract in basketball right now. Um, aside from everything else, the man just doesn't move right. Like his back's injury, he's a six ten guy with a kinetic chain injury. Uh, I, I joked about this in the Slack, but there is a possibility as many Mavs games that I go to if they really do talk about if it, that becomes like actual news that they're going to do it. I legitimately may go pick it and walk around the American Airlines Center <laughs> with a sign that says "No big men with kinetic chain injuries." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, he missed the whole season with with a back injury. I mean, that's not. And then had a major surgery on it. Like, that's the thing is, I know some people, and at first I was kind of one of them, thought that the injury was more of a conspiracy theory and he just didn't want to play and whatnot. Like, no one is faking a major back surgery. (laughs) That's not a thing. Right, yeah. And that's like one, like, I know knee injuries are not good, but, like, we've gotten to a point, you know, where that, that, you know, know, where the the medical science has, has gotten really good at getting athletes Back on the floor, but like back surgeries, man. I mean, any NBA player or professional athlete that has back surgery, like at- they're not the same. They're no. just not. And for him, especially, he relies so much on his, on his athleticism. There was a play tonight where he had Maxi boxed out, and he went to go get a rebound, and like it, I think he vertical jumped about an inch and a half. Hey, it looked like me. Yeah, like that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, man, I was like, that's rough. I was like, and I mean, I know Maxi was kind of leaning on him and whatnot, but which I'm sure with a back injury that doesn't feel good. But yeah, I mean, someone I saw on Twitter, um, someone posted like, like, man, it wasn't that long ago, but like, remember Ben Simmons in Philly? And like, I mean, the guy got up and down the court and ran like a gazelle and got above, and he played above the rim like so much like he was a really big finisher and dunker uh and he was just so explosive and you just wa- if you just watch a 5 minute highlight reel of of his time in Philly and you watch any minutes he's playing right now in Brooklyn I mean it's yeah, obvious he, like he's he he's in quicksand like yeah. yeah he just he doesn't look like he's not the same physically like we can talk about it's oh he won't take a jumper and everybody can worry about right. that. that that stuff's its own issue and that right. and I'm not downplaying those issues and like if he was still like his apex self you would have an argument but he he is physically not the same guy and so it's just the Mavs have gotten in trouble before taking on the idea of someone and the idea of Ben Simmons is far and away better than the actual Ben Simmons and uh for his sake I hope he I hope he gets better but I just that is not a risk I would like to see the Mavericks take right um and Back surgeries, injuries, those don't get better uh, over time. So I wish yeah, I all the mean, best for him, but yeah. <laughs> I just mean to get better as in like quality of life, not. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I think that's about all we have for this game. Again, we talked a lot and I love that we talked for like 
20 minutes before he even got to Luca. Like you said, it's just freaking crazy. Uh, he hasn't scored less. He's been 31 or better in every single game this season. It's just wild to become commonplace, but that's all we got. Mavericks are six and three. Uh, they finished off the homestand nicely. They've recovered pretty well, despite the fact that they're still kind of Jekyll and hiding uh, during every single game. But hey, four ones in a row, six and three is a lot better than the alternative. So at, at least they can figure some stuff out with a with a winning record on a winning streak. That's a lot more fun than trying to figure figure stuff out when you're, you've lost four in a row. So Matthew, thanks for hopping on again, man. I appreciate you jumping in kind of the last minute today. All right. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Like I said, just glad they won. Six and yeah. three is a lot better than five and four. Hell yeah, it is for sure. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us. Mavs Moneyball After Dark. This is Josh Bowe with Matthew Phillips. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Again, Mavericks defeat the Nets 96-94. Mavericks are six and three this season. Goodbye. <laughs>